Alexander Holtz continues to impress during training camp, but does it have people like me convinced? And also, let's talk about Jack Hughes and the next step in his development going from devil superstar to now NHL superstar. What do I mean by that? We have a lot to break down in today's episode of Locked on Devils, including looking at the Mike Babcock situation. Buckle up, everybody. You're Locked on Devils, your daily podcast on the New Jersey Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, this is Bryce Salvador, and you're Locked On Devils with Trey Matthews. Elliott scores! Oh, Steven stepped up, nailed him. Rodora's got the puck. What a shot. The Devils win the Stanley Cup. Alrighty now, what is up, New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast here on Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kyle Chalky, play-by-play announcer. Devils are for pucks and pitchforks and also part-time credential media member, Trey Matthews. What's on the itinerary for today's episode? Well, in segment one, we're going to revisit a topic that I brought up in yesterday's episode, which is my overall expectations for Alexander Holtz. Because once again, he is impressing a lot of people in attendance for training camp, but I am still keeping my expectations somewhat moderate that in the second segment, Jack Hughes recently spoke to the media regarding his expectations for himself moving forward. So I'm going to play you guys those sound bites and I'm going to give you guys my opinions. And then to round it all off, courtesy of our friend Ryan Ovazinski of NJ.com, he recently released a fantastic article basically asking Brendan Smith his opinions on his former Detroit Red Wings coach, Mike Babcock, because Mike Babcock and the Columbus Blue Jackets have been the talk of the town in the Metropolitan Division the last few days. And recently, Babcock did resign from his position after a shocking allegation, courtesy of Spittin' Chicklets. So that's to close out today's episode. But let's talk about Alexander Holtz and the topic that I discussed yesterday. So in yesterday's episode, if you missed it, I basically talked about Holtz and my expectations for him, which is I was taking everything that everyone was saying about him and his development with a grain of salt, but at the same time, I was acknowledging his improvement. I said, that's great. He's in, he's heading in the right direction, but once again, day two of training camp and Holtz continues to impress. So Ryan Novozinski, like I just mentioned, he recently released an article talking about Alexander Holtz and in his tweet description, he said, buy your Alexander Holtz stock. Now, Bill Spaulding also shared a video. He said, here's a full Holtz shift, relatively uneventful, but you can see some board work. James Nichols also got a quote from Lindy Ruff in one of his more recent articles. He said, I can honestly say that what I saw in practice was much different than what I saw last year. It's only one practice, but I watched him two days ago. I was impressed with how he was moving on the ice. Once again, that was a quote from Lindy Ruff, courtesy of New Jersey Hockey Now. Okay, here's the thing. I hear the responses. I hear your guys' comments. I hear what you guys have been basically feeding in my ear, which is Alexander Holtz is the real deal. This year is going to be different, and he's definitely going to prove people like me wrong. Well, here's the thing, and I'll talk about it towards the end of this segment. I'm not trying to root against Holtz. I'm just trying to keep my expectations moderate. Why is that, you might be asking? Well, similar to what I said in yesterday's episode, we've seen this movie play out before. So in today's uh, segment, I'm going to share you guys an article that I wrote for Pucks and Pitchforks a, about a year ago, and it talked about Alexander Holtz and his development and his potential new line mates in Jack Hughes and Andre Pilat. 
If you guys recall, they were nicknamed the H2O line. It was very short-lived, but they provided some sparks of improvement during training camp and also the preseason. So once again, courtesy of my old article of Pucks and Pitchforks, I'm going to read you guys some of the snippets. So to begin the article, I said, there's a new line combination that's been turning a lot of heads during the course of the preseason. With Jack Hughes at center and Alexander Holtz and Andre Pilat at winger, this new line was recently given the nickname H2O, Hughes, Holtz, Andre. The nickname itself is clever. However, the production and chemistry of all three players is the main talking point. So I gave an example. In the second preseason game of the year against the New York Islanders, the H2O line was put to the test, and I provided some more background information. During the inner squad scrimmages, the H2O line seemed to have functioned well together, and it carried over into the preseason. Hughes was able to find the back of the net with Holton Palat assisting on the goal. Then I talked about how this line had the potential to be a top six line for the Devils, maybe a first or a second line. And then I also added towards the end of the article, Holtz is an interesting case when I was analyzing each player because I said that Hughes was the superstar player and that most of the points would generate off his stick. And I said that Andre Palat was sort of the veteran piece, the glue piece that can form it all together because he's won Stanley Cups before and he knows what it takes to win. And I said for Holtz, he was sort of going to be like that X factor player because he is theoretically not guaranteed a roster spot. As you guys recall, last year he was duking it out with Fabian Zetterlin to see who would make the opening night roster. And lo and behold, both of them did end up making the opening night roster. And Andreas Johnson was unfortunately the odd man out. Going into Prospects Tournament, Holtz knew that he had to prove himself, mainly because Fabian Zetterlin could also have a big season with New Jersey. So far, Holtz has impressed a lot of people with not only his relentlessness when it comes to shooting, but also his playmaking ability. Putting him on the top line with Hughes might be risky considering the fact that he did little to nothing in his nine NHL appearances last season. However, the Devils didn't really have him in the best position to succeed given how well he performed last season for the Utica Comets. So this would be his best chance to showcase his skills because I had all the confidence in the world that Jack would try to get the most out of him. But Obviously, this was a different time period for the Devils. They weren't projected to be like the top dog contenders in the Metropolitan Division. They were projected to be like, at best, a middle-of-the-pack kind of team in the Metro. So I just want you guys to like remember that the Devils weren't projected to do all that well. So that's why I was saying like maybe pairing Holtz with Hughes wouldn't be a bad idea to open up the season. But the point I'm just trying to make, does that story sound familiar? Because I literally just said that Holtz was able to pick up an assist on a Jack Hughes goal in the preseason game against the New York Islanders. And I also talked about how his shooting and his playmaking ability really impressed during the prospects tournament. So once again, my opinion does not change regarding Alexander Holtz and his development. I really hope he is able to thrive because this is really his last chance in order to make something out of it. Because once again, like I said in the prior episode and many episodes during the summer, the Devils have made it clear to Holtz that he really needs to step up his game. So I really hope for his sake he is able to uh, prove a lot of people wrong. But the one thing I just want to say is that it's training camp, it's preseason. So I'm taking everything with a grain of salt because a good preseason performance does not guarantee that you will have a good regular season performance. And Holtz is a walking case in point 
regarding that aspect. So I really hope, once again, Holtz is able to do well. But for the time being, my opinion does not change. Not trying to hate on him, but I just don't want to jump the gun either. Okay, so let's shift over from Alexander Holtz to now Jack Hughes because Hughes spoke to the media recently during training camp and he gave his always excited, insightful answers. Of course, I'm being sarcastic, but he said a couple interesting things that I sort of want to break down in today's episode. So when asked about the expectations he has set for himself, here was his response. Jack had a fantastic year last year. Do you feel that was your peak? Is there more to Jack Hughes? I mean, I'd hope that's not my peak, you know, I'm only 22. So um, I'd like to continue to get better each and every year. And, you know, I know there's going to be years where um, maybe pucks aren't bouncing the way I want it to. But, you know, I feel really good with where my game's at. And I put in a lot of work this summer. So um, mentally, I feel really excited and ready to go. And then obviously physically, I put the work in. Any particular areas that you worked on over the summer that uh, no, just same old, man. you got to keep getting better um, every aspect for me. And, you know, obviously my game, i got to continue to develop um, each and every aspect of it. So I know that's such a generic answer, but it's, it's so true. Okay, so two things I want to highlight from that soundbite. One is the peak answer, which is I really hope Jack Hughes has not hit his peak just yet because – if that was the best of the best for Hughes, we are in a bit of trouble because I really need to see more from uh, Hughes. He needs to be that superstar player for the Devils. He needs to be that heart caliber player. He really needs to be the force that drives his engine for the Devils. So I really hope that last season wasn't his peak because once again, he can only go up from here, but he's no longer the underdog player. And I think that's a huge X factor for not only himself, but the entire Devils roster. Now, I asked Hughes something similar during exit interviews, which was, what does he want to work on to better his game? And his answer then was the same one he provided during training camp, which is there wasn't really much that he wanted to work on. He wanted to stick to what he knows. Now, that can sort of be like a double-sided sword because it's just like, on the one hand, yes, he's a really good player, and I really hope He's able to just thrive a bit more and improve upon his game. But at the same time, the great players try to improve upon their game. They try to look at areas of weakness that they can improve on. So I think for Hughes, I think the one thing I think I mentioned about him working on early on in the summer is that I want him to be a tad bit more aggressive. I want him to be just a tad bit more physical. And we saw a little bit of it in round two of the Stanley Cup playoffs against the Carolina Hurricanes because he got into it with, I believe, Sebastian Ajo. He wasn't uh, assessed at fighting major, but still it was the first time that we kind of saw Hughes lose his temper. But if we go back to round one against the New York Rangers, especially in the first couple games, he was still trying to do what he was capable of doing but I think it's safe to say that the Rangers knew how to ruffle his feathers just a tad bit. Now, I'm not saying that he performed horrendously, but let's face it, the Rangers were definitely playing somewhat aggressive on Hughes. So that was something I just wanted to work on. I don't know if it was me nitpicking, but that's just basically something I noticed from my perspective. So once again, he's not really a liability out there defensively. That's why he's playing all those minutes. That's why he now holds the NHL record for longest shift ever. Remember that 
New York Islanders game in December in which the Devils were trying to amount a miraculous comeback. And Hughes was playing like six or so minutes down the stretch of the game to try to, uh, once again, amount that incredible comeback, but it just fell short. So Hughes is not a defensive liability out there, so I don't think he needs to really work on his defense all that much. But at the same time, I want to see him a little bit more physical. And another example that I can provide is that there's a reason why Eric Halla was assigned onto his line because Lindy Ruff talked about it months ago, which was the Devils get a lot more possession with Eric because he wins a lot of the face-offs and the Devils are able to keep control of the puck. And they didn't want Hughes to do the face-offs. They wanted Halla to do the dirty work, which was like work the boards, work the corner, basically do that dirty work so Jack Hughes didn't have to and Hughes can focus on himself. So that's the thing I think Hughes just needs to work on just a little bit more, which is just be a little bit more physical. But once again, I think that's just me nitpicking. Another thing that I want to break down from Hughes' soundbite is that he says that he still wants to like uh, keep doing what he's doing, even if he's struggling. And in that sort of aspect, I do agree with him because remember, Hughes went on a bit of a cold streak down the stretch of the season. He was able to pick it up as the season drew closer to an end. But it was the question that a lot of people were having, like, would he even surpass Taylor Hall's record? Would he surpass Patrick Elias's record? Let alone, is he even going to reach 100 points? We said he was going to have to go on a tear in order to reach it, like a Connor McDavid type of tear. But he was able to break both Hall and Elias's single season points record, but he just missed the century mark by just a single point. But nonetheless, uh, going back to the point that I was trying to make, it's just like when Hughes was struggling at one point, I remember a game against the Minnesota Wild, he was just snake bitten. Like he could not find the back of the net, even if it was wide open. But at the same time, during that game, he had like, what, eight or 10 shots on goal. And I was like, look, even if it didn't result in a single point, still be somewhat selfish. And it was something that I was talking about early on in the season for Hughes because the, the talk of the town amongst the Devils organization was Nico Heischer. It was just for Brett. Now, Hughes was still doing what he was doing, but it wasn't in the same sort of capacity that we saw as the season progressed, which was he was still putting up some good numbers, but we just expected a little bit more. And I said, he needs to be just a little bit more selfish. He's a star player. He can be selfish. He can back it up. So once again, if Hughes is struggling and he doesn't want to adjust to his game, okay, fine. Be selfish because what's that cliche, corny Wayne Gretzky quote, which is you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Well, in this case for Hughes, I would much rather him uh, shoot the puck like eight times on net and it results in nothing than him shoot the puck like one or two times and it results in nothing. And he continues his cold streak because after that Minnesota wild game late in the year, he was able to get it going before I give more expectations for Hughes. He was asked towards the end of his interview. Like, does he see himself reaching a hundred points? Because if he does, he'll be the first devils player in history to reach the century mark in points. Here was his answer. Shooting for a hundred this year. Am I? Yeah. I mean, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Short, simple, to the point, a bit of a jokester, but I think we all know that Hughes definitely sees it. And if he says he doesn't, he's most likely lying because he said the same thing when uh, he was trying to go for Patrick Eliash's record, which is he said he wanted that bad boy, and now 
Hughes holds the single season points record for the Devils. And once again, he saw it in his sights and he made it a goal for himself. And it was a legitimate question towards the end of the year because Hughes was struggling. But I think the big thing for Hughes is that he needs to go from being a devil superstar to now an NHL superstar, because it's one of the reasons why I talked about how he didn't really get the recognition he deserved for the heart trophy. It was because statistically he was good on the devils because he led the devils in goals, assists and points. But the problem was he didn't even crack the top five in the NHL for goals, assists or points, which makes it hard to pick him as a perennial heart trophy candidate. But if he's able to just transition from devil superstar to now NHL superstar, which is, I think, the next step in his development, which is, okay, you've established yourself as a good player on this devil's organization, but how can you take it to the next level? Now you got to go up against the big boys. You got to go up against the Austin Matthews. You got to go against the Nate McKinnons. You got to go against that, that big-headed monster in, in Edmonton, in Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl. Nugent Hopkins, all those guys that are capable of getting 100 points with ease because now it's not enough to just lead the Devils to a historic season. Now you got to try to get from like 110 points to 120 points, something like that. So for Hughes, that's his next step, which is how do you get to that superstar level because you've established yourself as a really good young gun on an up-and-coming team, and now the Devils go from up-and-coming team to now being a legitimate playoff threat. So that's my thing, which is my expectations for Hughes is that he needs to transition from devil superstar to NHL superstar, and he's on the right trajectory, and he's on the right path if he's not there already. Okay, so we're going to talk about the Mike Babcock scandal uh, in, in a moment, but before we continue, I want to tell you guys about FanDuel because I want you guys to make some extra money. So Snap into the action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. When you place a $5 bet, that's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. So the app is very easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over and unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. And while you're at it, go and visit FanDuel.com and bet on some Devils Money Lines props, but remember to do so responsibly. And now, let me tell you guys about Jace Medical. So the Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get a Jace case is to fill out a simple form, and in some cases, jump on a quick call with one of our board-certified physicians, get ongoing care from our physicians on any treatment-related questions, Doctor created, doctor recommended. So get $20 off on these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using the code locked on at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. All right, so let's talk about a big issue in the Metropolitan Division, and that was the Mike Babcock scandal. Now, Normally, I don't hope for an article from anyone in particular because as a content creator myself, you just put out content that interests you. You feel like it, it, if it interests me, then it'll interest my fan base. But I was really hoping that someone in the devil's media world would put out an article that relates the Mike Babcock situation 
back to the Devils because I really wanted to talk about it on my show. And my buddy, Ryan Ovazinski of NJ.com, came through. So if you want to hear Ryan Ovazinski's thoughts on the Mike Babcock and Brendan Smith uh, relationship, the link to his latest article will be in the description. Give it a look. Novo does great work. Now, like I said, Brendan Smith was once a player under Mike Babcock when Smith was playing for the Detroit Red Wings. But before we get to that, let's provide some background as to what happened. So basically a barstool sanctioned podcast called Spittin' Chicklets made an accusation saying that Babcock ordered the, the players to show pictures of their family and he put it up on a television screen and basically it was a bit intrusive and invaded some players' privacies. Well, Babcock and Captain Boone Jenner of the Blue Jackets denied the allegations, but the NHL Players Association decided to do an investigation, and it took them a minute, but after their investigation was concluded and they talked to a few players, the players, and especially the veterans, came through and just said, yeah, that's what happened, but here was the circumstance. It was just to create some chemistry. So someone like Johnny Goodrow, uh, he was told by Babcock to show a picture of his family and basically just build some team bonding. But I think the younger players were a little uncomfortable with it based on what I've been researching. But nonetheless, it, re- it forced Babcock to resign from his position. And he was with the Blue Jackets for what, like two to three months. So I talked with Brian Hedger of the Columbus Dispatch about the Babcock hiring in the first place because Babcock has a history Not so much the product he puts on the rink because he's a former Stanley Cup uh, champion because he led the Detroit Red Wings to a Stanley Cup back in 2008. But it was so it was what he did in the locker room. It's what he did behind the scenes of a lot of players came forward and just said he was mentally abusive and he scared a lot of the younger players. So Babcock had that history. He was out of the league for a few years. And basically uh, what what Hedger was telling me was that. Uh, Babcock basically talked with his own personal family, went on this like journey of trying to get back to the NHL and just try to redeem himself in some sort of way. But obviously he was going to be held to a very tight leash. He was going to be under a microscope. And unfortunately it came back to bite him. And welcome to the day and age where I guess spitting chicklets is now an official source because they were the ones who brought it to the attention of a lot of people. And basically it made headlines It forced the investigation And as a result, Babcock is now out of the job, and I guess he was forced to resign. Now, how does this tie back to the Devils? Well, like I just mentioned, Smith played under Babcock uh, a few years ago while playing for the Detroit Red Wings, and Ryan Ovaziski had the chance to speak with them. And Smith was quoted to say that Babcock was not the easiest coach to get along with. Smith also went on to say, I don't even know if I want to unfold too much about it. I think for me, He was my first coach coming in and was probably not the easiest coach to have, especially as a young guy, how everything unfolded. I almost could have foreseen it. So once again, there weren't that much high hopes for Babcock. I see what the Blue Jackets organization was trying to do. They're one of the youngest teams in the NHL. So they're just trying to expedite the process a little bit. They're trying to develop some of their young guys and I guess they wanted to get that military type of ordeal by bringing in like a I guess a hard-nosed guy like Babcock and pull everyone up by the bootstrings and just try to whip these young guys into shape obviously in a more appropriate way because once again Babcock was under fire for how he treated some of his players and you got players like Brendan Smith coming forward who played under him 
with the Detroit Red Wings. You got someone like Mitch Marner of the Toronto Maple Leafs. He also came forward and said, like, Babcock was not a good guy. That created a whole storyline and scandal that I don't want to get into. But nonetheless, Babcock had a reputation, and it wasn't all that good. But the Blue Jackets took a chance on him. At the end of the day, I think this was the best course of action for the Blue Jackets because either way, Babcock was going to be somewhat of a distraction. And I don't know how Babcock would have responded by coaching a very young team in the Blue Jackets, especially if you have some players coming forward saying he doesn't really mesh well with the younger guys, including someone like Brendan Smith. So that's my thing. I think this was the best course of action for the Blue Jackets, but similar to what I was talking about with Brian Hedger, it, the the ultimate goal was just just to try to bring in more veteran players during the offseason. That's why the Blue Jackets were so big on Damon Severson because Severson has been through the fire in terms of development and also trying to uh, make things work on a young team because it wasn't too long ago he was one of the alternate captains on one of the youngest teams in the NHL in the Devils. So bring in Damon Severson, that could have helped them in more ways than one because Hedger told me that the season for the Blue Jackets was pretty much over come October. So once again, I found this story intriguing. I found it compelling. I wanted to talk about on this show. Shout out to Ryan Ovazinski for uh, uh, basically tying this back to the Devils because I really wanted to talk about it on my show. But that's my opinion, which is this was the best course of action for the Blue Jackets. I think Babcock his days in the NHL are pretty much over because I think that was the final straw. He was given another chance. And unfortunately he didn't make the most of it. I don't know what his intents were, but I, I, I think I heard another report saying that this whole incident took place at his house, which is, I guess, another uh, question mark. Like, why are you doing this at, at your house and not in your office? But anyway, like front office personnel were also saying that they participated in it. So I really don't know, like, who liked it, who didn't, because once again, you had veteran players like Johnny Goodrow saying like it was all good, it was all good vibes, but then I think the younger guys were uncomfortable, front office personnel did it. It was just an interesting story. So just wanted to talk about it. So let me know what you guys think in the comment section about Alexander Holtz, your expectations for him, also for Jack Hughes. What do you think is the next step in his development? And then let me know what you think about the Babcock situation. I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts. As for today's episode, that's all the time I have for you, so continue to stay safe. Have a wonderful day, New Jersey. Go Devils. I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Thanks for listening once again.